Hello there and welcome to year two of the Ask Time Film Podcast where we talk film, Woo! TV, games and all that jazz let us know tomorrow. This week we are talking about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. My name is Tom and as always I'm joined with my co-host John. Hey. This is it. We've been waiting for this Marvel this film it. for a while. Oh wow. We're doing it. Uh, ladies and gents, we are so excited to talk <laughs> about this film. Definitely. And we, we can definitely say this. It slapped. We it did. We, it. We were... I, I was slapped a couple of times. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Before we get into, it, I I should set off the tap off off the bats. There are a couple of changes that we're implementing um, mm. for year two of the podcast. So first of all, no no news segment. We're going to take that straight out, and we're going to just dive straight into our main um topics we will still be talking about trailers but we're going to put them after our main topics kind of like just before the weekly viewing this will result in shorter videos and hopefully kind of more concise stuff yeah um Mm. so yeah that decision that may or may not work tell us in the comments if you like it or not uh and we may bring back the new segment if there is enough demand for it uh but without further ado let's waste no more time john what did you think of shang chi and the legend of the ten rings tell me uh, oh my god when i when i was um looking at the credits of the film just scrolling by i was like this is amazing <laughs> just like saying out loud because normally i don't you do that in the in the cinema because i'd be like speechless or something but i just said this is amazing <laughs> just like i've just been watching some i don't know it was just an entire it was an entirely different marvel film it it was just different. I, I don't know how to describe it, but, you know, it's like one of those, um, you know, you've seen Iron Man for the first time and you yeah. go, wow, that was a great film. But then you see Shang-Chi. Just go, what the heck? They just topped it. They just, yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's safe to say uh, for me, this is probably one of the best solo Marvel films. So excluding Avengers, it's probably one of the best since 2017, which is, you know, high praise. Um, But I mean, or or is it high praise? Because, you know, Black Widow, Captain Marvel, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. Far from home. Mm. But it's been a a rocky road. Oh, yeah. But it is the best solo film for me because uh, I felt, it Whatever. Was well balanced. Like at all. Like, like out of everything. Like no, 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 not every Marvel film, but like the debut first. Okay. Like, wow. you know, solo film. Not like the best Marvel film of all time. But <laughs> I mean, like, you know, just that was just the best debut solo superhero thing out that of Marvel. Certainly is high praise. I, I certainly there were some similarities of Black Widow that I thought here. Don't worry. <laughs> This isn't oh. a, like in a bad way, but in the same way, yeah. now, if you, if you watch our video on Black Widow, you will know, you know, our genuine genuine thoughts. But basically, we really liked the opening of Black Widow, and oh, yeah. until a certain point in the narrative, and I think that immediately I was captivated by the opening of Shang Chi, the oh. the oh, flashback, yes. the the tale of the Ten Rings and of the Mandarin. You know, like it got me engaged that quick. Like yeah. with the cinematography and you know, oh, Bill Pope, but Bill Pope, uh, he, the camera he work is, on this, he, he just did it, amazing. didn't he? Absolute amazing. I'm so like so proud of that. Like the opening, you know, between um, I forgot these between um, I don't know that 
the, 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 the father and the mother, you know, the fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that that was just magical. To, I don't know, just the Definitely. camera work. And, like, I'd never seen it before like that. And, you know... It, there were a it, lot it of just... action sequences where the camera work really stood out. And I was really happy about that. You know, so, mm. so many the Marvel films have action sequences that aren't that captivating or engaging you know quick cut and and in fairness Shang-Chi did have quick cut action in this film but I think it the action really shone when you got to see all the choreography you know you got long mm. takes wide shots that really really came forth like immediately I was sitting there like oh this is like, this is really cool. Like they weren't kidding yeah. when they were saying this is like, you know, supposed to pay homage to like Hong Kong cinema. Yeah. And I can see that definitely with, um, in, I can, well, there was like some certain, certain camera work that I saw in anime that, you know, kind of had that long uh, camera work, you know, like it goes like top to bottom, like sliding away, just like seeing the character like fly or something. I don't know, just, you know what I mean? Like a swivel, you know, like uh, maybe 180 degree yeah. thing. You know? Yeah, Definitely. like that. Like, there, was yeah. a, there was a specific shot around, I don't know, the end of Act 1 maybe, um, when they are... Full spoilers, by the way. So oh, just spoilers. Get out oh, of the yeah. Way. <laughs> uh, sorry, ladies and gents. Uh, <laughs> this is spoiler zone. Uh, when, they, when, yeah. when they go to um, the fight arena... I can't remember where what country they are, but there's a when they're when uh, they're okay. escaping via the right. So when they're when they're escaping via the uh, scaffolding, yeah. When Katie is hanging onto the bamboo and it's like it's bending, and Chong oh, yeah, Chi sees her, and there is this amazing panning shot, as you said, doing a one eighty, as oh, he kind yeah. of like whips around like spins around around one of the other pieces of bamboo and starts to run towards her and as i saw this wide shot i was just like this is what marvel needs more of you yeah. know i'm not i'm not like i'm not being overwhelmed by cgi you know it's not like a huge there's not like two armies clashing into each other there's color there's lots of like neon color in this in this um mm. shot and i just thought this is amazing. This is exactly, you know, what we should be seeing more of. This is this this, this reminds me of some of yeah. the uh, some of the best comic book films where you know the action really stands out. Mm, yeah, and uh, and he, I don't know how to describe the camera work. You, you know, we just talked about the camera work for like two minutes now, but um, it it just really stands out the entire mm. film because you know. The fight, the fight sequences, and the the cinematography as well is just, you know, so refreshing to see. Mm-hmm. And the, I, as you said, this is what Marvel needs. And you're right, yeah, we do need more of that, and that'll get a lot, of, a lot of people interested. And uh, when I finished watching the film, everyone was commenting on the cinematography, saying, mm-hmm. "Oh my god, it is amazing!" So definitely. Well, yeah, I don't know. Did, did you see the? Because when I went to the cinema to see it, I got the Eternals trailer. Did you see this Eternals trailer on the big screen? Uh, yeah, I got the Eternals. Trailer. Right. So when I saw that, obviously Eternals has is is a lot of it is on location. Chloe Zhao is bringing, you know, it's not all shot on green screen. And I could see in that film, I was like, this is, you know, this is like incredible cinematography already. And I will say in Shang Chi, 
there was too much shot on sound stages on green screens and there were times that in my opinion it was it was quite noticeable particularly in the san francisco sequences the there was so much less color and it was you know there was a lot more color grading and it it felt a lot more like your standard gray marvel fair where you know the the colors are all muted and you know shang chi is literally wearing a red jacket but it's not even that red because you know the colors are muted and most of my problems Um, with the film come from like this section after the opening flashback pretty much until when wu takes uh pretty much until when we's like agents break into the um into the fight arena and they have to have to escape i think that section was i'll 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 elaborate as as we go on but that was definitely the part that i was a little bit less positive on oh right okay yes so i I can see i can see what you're talking about because sometimes um there will be it would be too overwhelming with lots of fight sequences sometimes, mm. but um, but that one I thought that was uh really interesting because you know with the um with the whole clash of characters like um Shang Chi trying to save Katie from that you know the bamboo falling and then yeah. um using yeah and uh, I yeah I can see where you're coming from but I didn't feel that overwhelmed but uh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, as positive as I am about the action, one of the things that I'm getting sick of, and this is a problem with Black Widow as well, there's too much action too quickly. Yeah. You know, my favorite part of this film was the second half because the, the the jokes went way down. The action, there was so much less of it. There was so much more color, especially when they went into the the mystic realm, whatever its name is. Um, you know, all that stuff, I was like, yes, this is so much more of what I want. But, you know, it's like you get the action sequence on the bus and then you get the action, two concurrent action sequences in the fight arena and then the escape from the fight arena. And it's like, to, to me, you can really take out or make one or make some of those like much shorter, get the point across and be able to focus on character. Um in, in, in this opening section in, in San Francisco, I was hit by so many, like, jokes. And I, I, I felt like I was, like, cringing so much. And I'm really happy because Katie, Aquafina, I really like her as an actress. Mm. Loved her in The Farewell. And when I... Oh, wait, she was in The Farewell? Yeah, she plays the, um, the granddaughter uh, who comes over from oh. America. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So like, I introduced to her character, and she's a lot of jokes. And obviously, Aquafina is a very funny person. But I was immediately like, I'm not connecting to this character because there's nothing really there that that I can connect to. You've got like some stuff with her family, but there's nothing really below the surface. You know, it, it, every scene that that she has is her making loads of jokes. And you know, Marvel loves to 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 have lots of comedy, which is fine. But I'm I was definitely getting bored of that. But what I was so happy about was that her character basically give or take as soon as she finds out that Sean isn't who he says he is, as you would in real life, she doesn't then start to make jokes. She basically stops making jokes throughout the film. And, you know, 
she then becomes somebody who is supportive of her friend but also critical of her friend and the relationship changes the, the dynamic shifts and I appreciated that so much and it would have been like I would have been a lot more positive if those jokes weren't there to bog down so much of the opening and then Trevor let's talk about oh, Trevor. Trevor what do you think about Trevor um yeah um uh, uh Morris though that creature oh Morris <laughs> Morris <sighs> Morris uh <laughs> I'm sorry but that creature was just what the heck um <laughs> so I I didn't mind Ben Ben Kingsley in this one I thought he was fine in this yeah I agree he was fine yeah. but fine yes d- does he need yeah. to be there no no. Like not really. Like he's there basically just to tie up a vaguely send from Iron Man three and all hail the king. Like to me, it was very much like you. We I don't need you here, and you're not you're not exactly making the experience any better. As I said, I was I was I was I was thankful that Aquafina uh, Katie didn't have much comedy, you know, in in the second half. But he very much took that comic relief spot, and. He had no reason to be there. He had no real kind of like connection to the themes of the film. Um, so yeah, and it's a shame because I love Trevor in Iron Man 3, but I think because it's not Shane Black writing him and Shane Black is a very good writer. I mean, if you watch mm. The Nice Guys, for example, he's so good at doing comedy, especially. And he brings that to Iron Man 3, which I think is one of the funniest films in the MCU. But I didn't yeah. think that Trevor was needed or that funny in this one to be honest yeah and i thought well after the cinema i was like yeah the characters were balanced but then as i look deeper into it like uh katie and then um uh wait no the thing well um trevor yes forgot his name for a second uh katie and trevor 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 slattery i'm an actor i'm an actor don't hurt Um, the face but it, it it was good seeing Trevor, but I thought, you know, it was kind of a bit downgrading the film because, you know, I thought, okay, you could um, not have him, but, you know, just just put him in that prison and, you know, just have that. M- Morris, the... the um... Yeah, exactly. Morris. Or have Zhua Ling. She knows uh, this is a sister of, of Shang-Chi. She knows that you know, she knows enough about what's going on. I think yeah. you could just cut out Morris and Trevor and just have her be the one who knows what's going on, you know? I think her her character was definitely one of my favourites um, because she was so understated. I, I understand exactly who she was from minimal scenes and many shots of her, you know, in the background. And I think that's the point because, you know, Wenwu doesn't, really care about her as much as he does as he does Shang-Chi who is his son and you know she feels a bit downtrodden in that aspect and that obviously will lead into her role in future MCU films um but but yeah I already I I think I did really appreciate that um I think she was I think she was well crafted but yeah her role could have also filled the role of Trevor and given her a bit more to do um I think that would definitely be but yeah, there was like some really good character work 
in general, I think. I think the characters were done really, really well. Yeah. Um, but, well, th- there were some characters that really were well-developed um, as well. That mm. I thought some character arcs was good as well. Like, at the beginning, where Katie and Shang-Chi was talking to the couple about, like, how the world is changing and it, you're... You're not growing. I I don't uh, on the white lines or something. Like you know, like you're not yeah. properly doing anything. And then at the end of the film, they they did. And then yeah, uh, I thought that was good. Definitely, I, I think you know, throughout the film, Katie's kind of saying that she never really fully follows through with things. And then like in the battle, all she wants to do is fight. And when she's given the chance, she actually makes an impact. Albeit. It was a little bit of a big impact. Like, what, one day's worth of arrow training can somehow make you an excellent shot from really far away. And, you know, I know that it's made out of dragon scales and probably magical or whatever, but that was a little bit, you know. But, yeah, the core of her, like, arc, I think, was there. And one of the things that I loved about this film, like, really, like, really loved, I thought Wenwu or the Mandarin, whatever we're calling him, I think he's one of the best villains we've had in Marvel. Mm. And I really, yeah, I, I really, really liked him. You know, yeah, um, the idea that this is just like a horrible man who finds love. And then when that love is taken from him is so wrapped up in his own grief that he doesn't, you know, kind of focus on his family and, and, you know, is blinded by this. It's a thing that we've seen before, but I, a thing that I think really works. Yeah. And how it really impacts with you with the audience as well like and like throughout the film you go out there's no way like you're just going to get connect with characters until you know when shang chi really talks um to Wenwu about like this is fake you you're not gonna uh, get your um get mom back and you know uh how they're gonna do it and then he fully realizes and he wait does he give the ten? No, he doesn't. Sorry, I thought he gave the ten rings uh, when he gets uh, soul sucked. Uh, but you know, he has that sudden realization while getting, you know, getting killed. Um, so, and this is like the yeah, whole and, film. And, and, and uh, about... you know, his final, his final moments. You know, in realizing what he's done, he gives away that he gives up the ten rings, the very thing that he has, cl- you know, clung onto for so long, and he gives them to Shang Chi you know, in those final moments as a kind of like, you know, I don't need these. You can do better with them. Yeah. And like how you could be um, a better person than that, uh, than I done. And uh, with the whole, the, the, throughout the film, like um, Shang-Chi trying to find himself, you know, trying to find out what's the difference between, between like light, uh, light and dark and like how he can fight his father while being himself because, you know, you can see that uh, to that first battle because he's like kind of a bit uh, scared, but then he fully realizes about himself uh, and, uh, you know, his, um, his goals, you know, what he's trying to do mm. for himself, you know, you know what I mean? Um, yeah no i i agree and yeah, um, yeah. the whole the whole time there's this moment where he like you know he's about to kill one of the main henchmen like one of the masked henchmen who like you know gave him like pain for all of his childhood 
and mm. you know he really considers it and you know he's been trained to be a killer for all of his life and you feel that and then you feel that you know when there's one of my favorite just like parts of the film is a montage when they are in when they're all training and so you've got Katie learning to kind of use a bow and arrow you've got Zhuang um you know just training in the day not in that, not at night just training in the open with her um rope knife thing um and then Shang-Chi being taught by his aunt about you know the techniques that his mom used to defeat his dad when they first met and it's just a really good moment of all the characters you know yeah realizing that they can you know and and do stuff that they would've never really been allowed to do before like mm. you know Katie's never really allowed herself to follow through with something and and she finds something she's good at that she practices with and you know Shang-Chi is now learning how to fight less as a killer but more as like you know in a in a peaceful way in in a way that kind of stems from love and then Zhuang Ling is kind of training you know being allowed to just be who she is and not having to you know do it in the shadows I really appreciated that stuff and and throughout the film there are loads of good sequences like when Shang-Chi explains to Katie about you know his life and how horrible it was um you know being trained to be a killer and 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 mm. that would have been one of the most powerful scenes in the film <sighs> if it wasn't for the the air hostess you know it cuts it cuts from him to saying about how broken he ha- he has been by his dad to the air hostess being like excuse me would you like beef or would you like vegetarian and it was it pulled me out so much and again it was one of those moments where i was just like god mcu comedy stop stop it was like oh my god please let's not do this and this really like you know poignant moment in the film where he's you know where we're getting backstory to the character and you know we're learning more i was just like can we just have a moment without the comedy and that's just that's just the thing i think this film would be like you said this is your favorite like mcu origin story this would be mine it really could be and it really has them but there's just too much in there you know the, the comedy some of the action you know that i think especially in the first half there is that you know there's a lot of lacking of holding on moments you know just staying with an emotional beat just a little bit you know, getting yeah. to know the characters a little bit before we delve in. The first time that Shang-Chi and Zha Ling meet after years is Zha Ling just beats him up. And it's just like, and then they and then they go to being friends. And it's like, okay, well, there's no point for them to fight. It would have been so much more emotionally resonant if they'd have met and had a heart to heart. And, you know, and, and you don't even need to have the moment where they fight, you know? And I'm really happy that the second half was as good as it was because I really think it saved this film um, from a lot of Marvel tropes. But I still think some of those tropes remained and that that's what, you know, annoyed me. Mm. <laughs> you got a lot of stuff from, from that film. I just, uh, I, I was just mesmerized by the, the, the camera work and everything. But mm. I, 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 I do feel like I've digested a lot of stuff, but I thought I didn't mind about the stuff that I watched. Uh, but it was just so entertaining to watch. Um, mm. Oh, no, like, don't get me wrong. I did have a really good time, you know. Yeah. I think it was a very well-paced film. If anything, 
the middle, you know, might get a little bit slow, but it's it, it's something that I don't, you know, that that could have easily been fixed. But whatever, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect pacing. I think that was really, really well done. And I think, you know, we, we talked a little bit about it yesterday and, and, you know, you said it yourself, the soundtrack is amazing. Oh, yeah. Yesterday I was talking to you about the soundtrack and um, one of the bits uh, when uh, Katie and uh, Shang-Chi go to Makar. Makar? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, and one of the songs that plays is called In the Dark, yes. uh, which, which got Swaley. Yeah. And Swaley has done the Spider-Verse song, uh, Sunflower. Yeah. And this song just sets up uh, perfectly for the relationship between uh, Katie and then uh, Shang-Chi, but also mm-hmm. explaining about the whole film, you know, each of these characters, like, what what have they been through, you know? Yeah. Can I just uh, point out, I don't know what they might be setting up for the future, but there was a moment earlier in the film when Katie's grandma said when are you two getting married? And I thought, oh no, these guys are going to get together. Oh, for God's sake. And they didn't get together. I was really happy about that. They didn't do a pointless romance. Instead, they let the characters speak for themselves and stand on their own and have a really good friendship. And oh, if I have a pet peeve in a film, it is when two characters get together just for the sake of ticking a box. Yeah. You know? like I can listen to so many... Kind of, not really in Spider-Verse. I mean, like... Well, sometimes, you know, when the audience go, oh, no, I want to get more like the, you know, like the film is trying to show like these two characters trying to be together, but they right, don't yes. get at the end. That's yeah, why like, it, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, no, right. I catch you. I thought you meant like in Spider-Verse, two people get together. But yeah, it's like in Spider-Verse, you know, Gwen and Miles, that the, what they go through isn't to become lovers. It's just to become friends. Just, you know, Gwen can open up and, you know, and, and accept Miles as her friend. You know, it's just like that. Katie and... Shang-Chi go through a really, really harrowing experience and they don't have to then kiss and, you know, and, and become together. They're just friends, you know? And yeah, I was really happy with that, you know? And I think, I think their chemistry was really good. I think one of the best jokes, like genuinely, it, it, it's, it's a long payoff, but at the beginning, they have this karaoke moment, right? It, yeah. was, it was cute. It was quite funny. But when they brought it back in the end credit scene, I laughed so hard. I thought that was great. <laughs> you know, with Wong. Yeah, that was great. Like, that was Wong, Wong and those two doing karaoke was just oh. so oh, much fun. It was, it was good. To, it was great to see Wong uh, in another film because mm. I felt like he wasn't in a lot of films that you kind of see. Like he was in Doctor Strange, and then big events. But this, this just yeah, I, I quite really liked well. that he was in it. However, I have to say. I, I'm 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 annoyed that they put him and Abomination in the trailer, because uh, yeah. the amount that you see Abomination and Wong in the trailer is basically the amount that you see them in the film. Like yeah. genuinely, they they did nothing, and I just watched it and I was like, there they are, and then they're gone. Like, why do we need that? Like, it's cute, it's fun, but to put it in the trailer, I think is really really cold. It's just like. Oh yeah, we uh, promise you this is gonna happen. It didn't, and it's like, okay, just don't put it in there then. You know, but, don't I mean, promise it's me this. Abomination and Wong. That that's that's an epic fight, but just mm. don't show it, and then it's gonna be there for thirty seconds. Yeah, if so. you're gonna show it, it's gotta go on for like five minutes, maybe. At and least. then, 
everyone could have gone crazy in the cinema or going like, oh yeah, this is so good. But no, sometimes sometimes trailers just ruin everything, and I try I to you know avoid you know uh, the uh, the stuff you know. I don't know if you like if it's like the final days, you know, before the cinema, uh, the, uh, the film comes out, and this is a trailer, and oh, I just they, avoid that. People sometimes I'm... like film studios release so many clips, and I just think it's a <sighs> yeah. bad idea. They released yeah. the clip of um or a clip from the bus fight in this film. I didn't watch it because I, I didn't watch want it, to yeah. spoil it, but I saw people commenting on it on Twitter and being like, "Oh my god, the action's incredible! The action's incredible!" And I'm just like, I want to experience that in the cinema. Yeah, you know? and I did experience it. And and to to be fair, I wasn't a huge fan of the bus fight. I thought it was very obviously it's a very tight space, and there was a lot. There wasn't as many long takes. There's a lot more um fast cutting. And at the point in the narrative where it hits, I felt like I didn't. I hadn't fully true like you know truly got to know Shang Chi or Katie yet. So you know that was a you know an issue with that kind of fight. But you know I digress. Um, yeah. Speaking of Wong. What do you think of the mid credit scene with Captain Marvel and Bruce Banner? Um, I thought that that I thought that was really interesting mm. uh, because uh, it really set up for you know Wong being uh, in uh, no not Wong sorry uh, Shang Chi being in the um, Avengers you know yeah, yeah you're going to be a member and also the crazy thing is that. Uh, Bruce Banner is back into his normal form. Yeah. What? What? J- but but what? Like what? Sorry. What? Okay. So this is probably one of the most insignificant parts of the film that he is there. Like, does it matter that Bruce Banner's there? Not really. It could have been yeah, anyone. Yeah. But this is this makes me so confused now. I'm yeah. Honestly. <laughs> so wasn't the whole point of his arc in Endgame? If you want to call it an arc, it's barely an arc. His character in Endgame. The point of his character is that, or the point of what he's gone through off screen, might I add, is that him and Hulk work things out and now they are one. But no, now he's back as Bruce. Like, that doesn't make any sense. It makes his, it makes, it makes his character in Endgame even more redundant. And that makes me sad. Hmm. I was so confused. I was like looking. I was like, "Dad, what? What? What is this? Uh, What's then, going on?" What? But what? I. But um. But ignore that because that was just. Uh, that was stupid. I don't know why they've done that. But anyway, well, I, I have to say though, it makes sense. You know, where, where we're at in the MCU, ten years in, it makes sense that you know, a powerful being comes on and they're like, right, come on. Like, you know, come Wong, Wong's going to appear and he's going to tell you everything. Like that just makes sense. There's, you know, you don't have shield or anything anymore. So I'm really happy that they just went all, they just went for it. And we're just like, okay, you know, Shang-Chi is now a hero. So the Avengers are going to just give him a little bit of a debriefing, you know, doesn't even have to be all of them, you know, because that's what they would do. Also has Captain Marvel grown her hair again? What was the point of having her cut in wait, Endgame? Wait, I... she has long hair again now. Uh, yeah, Why? Yeah. I thought they were going for the whole. I don't know. Hair well, from the comics. Um, no, I, I have no idea. What was that? <laughs> hair change fashion back in 
Okay. Uh, we'll never know. Connectivity. Um, right. Okay. Connectivity. Let's ignore that. Let's talk about the central story of this of this post credit scene. Uh, Wong um, uses uh, the ten ring, and then he finds something in this ten ring, and it's like a beacon mm. to somewhere or from someone. So this this is really uh, really interesting because it, is it going to set up the Eternals, or is it going to you know? Be. Sorry? It could do. Yeah, it could do. So I, I thought you said, you know, or, <laughs> you know, maybe like it could set up like a different multiverse, you know, where it's coming from. Mm. You know, that whole idea of um, where um, Shang-Chi's mother was in hmm. a different di- uh, pocket dimension in yeah. Lao Tao. No, I forgot the name. Is it Lao? Oh, I, I, don't I have no say. idea. <laughs> yeah, to, no, I don't know how to say the name. It but could, that pocket it could dimension, totally be yeah. that. I hope. Yeah. Obviously, the Ten Rings will return is the is the thing that you get at the end of the final credit scene. And the post-credit scene is that Zha Ling is now taking over the Ten Rings. One of the things that I hope they do for the sequel is I don't think they should deal with Zha Ling's Ten Rings in the sequel. Whatever they did in the sequel, I think that should be left for a third film. Because presumably they're making trilogies out of everything these days, so I I would hope that they wouldn't do the new ten. They wouldn't deal with the ten rings again. Instead, they would just you know have a different kind of adventure before they deal with that. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, yeah. So uh, one thing that I have to say is the ending of the film. I didn't like it. Now, I loved the battle between Wenwu and Shang-Chi. I thought yes. it was great. Emotional. It, it had tight. It, it, it finished arc. It finished character arcs. It was amazing. You know, maybe if, you, if, it, if it wasn't filmed on a, on a green screen, then I would have liked it a little bit more. But, you know, I, I, get, I, I got some really good, you know, I got a really good ending there. But then it... As soon as the door opened and the Soul Eater was released, it just became another CGI, you know, battle. And I was just tired of it, you know? Really, I didn't really need the dragon to be there. Didn't really need the Soul Eater to be there. It was just, you know, an an excuse for a big CGI battle to to occur. And honestly, I think the story ended well enough with the battle between father and son. I didn't think we needed all that big stuff and a weird excuse for all the warriors to work together. You've got, you know, this whole army of the 10 rings who then decides to work with, you know, the, the good army for lack of a better term. And, you know, to destroy these soul eaters, you know, but I didn't really know anything about the main kind of henchman razor fist or whatever his name was. Um, Razor fist. (laughs) Sounds like taser face. It does. Oh yeah, it does. That's a good point. Maybe I should. Oh wait, no. Taser face is dead. They can't meet. Never mind. Oh, um, yeah, maybe in an alternate universe. Um, but yeah, like I didn't know enough about him. Like, I don't know where his loyalties lie. Then, well, I mean, I do, but I don't really know like what his motivations are. Whether he has any motivations, you know? Why would he then decide just to join the people who supposedly he has no kind of care about? Yeah. You know? Why should he care about really? Why should he care about helping when we get his wife back? You know, I just think the whole ending just went on too long. There wasn't a point to it. You had the final confrontation, you know, you can then just have 
when we give up the rings, you know, he dies some other way. And then Shang-Chi takes the rings and he uses it to, to stop the battle of the armies. Boom. In my mind, I think that's a much more concise way to do it. I think that there was just, you know, if you just have that little ending and then you get the scene with the lanterns where they, you know, send the lanterns out to shore, would have been great. Also, the the scene of the lanterns was a really good scene, really well done, really emotional. I really think that's where the film should have ended, not with the bar scene with just a load of comedy and then Wong. You know, I would have much preferred it if uh, it, had, it had ended um, right there. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I feel like yeah, what exactly what you're saying. I feel like that the the fight scene or the the, the end of it was just a bit. It was dragging on, you know, with, with everything with the CGI battle, and I thought, okay, that's that's fine, but just you know, just cut out that, and that would have been really good because mm. you know we just completely understood about the the creatures and about like the the soul suckers, and um, yeah, and like how it would make the film more on emotional scale, mm. you know, like with everything. So that could have been like a somber, bittersweet ending. So yeah, I yeah. agree. Any day, like any, any day, emotional stakes will trump scale, you know, like it doesn't matter if there's, if there's a huge army, I'm not going to feel tense or, you know, I'm not going to be fully invested unless they provide something emotional for me to grasp onto. And that is exactly what the end of Shang-Chi had before the Soul Eaters and the CGI monsters flying at each other. Um, and, you know, uh, that could have improved the film a lot. But at the end of the day, you know, I think that I, re- I, I will remember the final battle, you know, positively because you know i do think it does things that a lot of mcu films don't i mean you know a lot of mcu films struggle with um with you know making that a lot of comic book films you know in general actually struggle with getting their endings to really resonate and i think this one did that for the most part um and it had like really good motifs in the score there were some really nice like pieces of music i thought that you know brought the emotions to even, you know, even more to the forefront. And it displayed love. I think that's what the film's about. You know, like, recognising mm. and accepting love. I think everybody kind of, all the characters, you know, have to accept something in themselves or in other people, you know, in order to kind of live happily. And I think that's what the ending, again, for the most part, really did. Um, you know what I found in this film though, especially in the second half, it reminded me a lot yeah. of Raya and the Last Dragon. Oh, what? Do you know what I mean? Oh my god, it does. Like with like the big like you know monstrous like black like creature, and then like the dragons coming to save the day. You know, and obviously there's a lot of aesthetic similarities in the music and in the in like the worlds that they're inhabiting. I just thought it was very similar. <laughs> and you know, putting yeah, faith it's... in the villain, you know, like oh my in, god, in, yeah. <laughs> like I thought that was very similar, in fact. So that was that was wacky, but um, but yeah. Do you have anything else to say for Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings? Um, we haven't talked about the the performance from uh Wenwu, uh 
uh, yeah, yeah. I forgot his name. Tony Leung. Yeah, he was phenomenal in this he film. He was. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think all the actors did a really good job. I think Simu yeah. Liu is going to be, you know, will take his place alongside other MCU protagonists as a yeah. really as a really well-rounded one. Uh, I think Tony Leung will definitely be remembered by me as, and hopefully by other people, as one of the better MCU protagonists, definitely in the higher um, category of, of, of MCU protagonists. Um, antagonist, should I say? And yeah, I think the the supporting cast weren't were, were were pretty solid. You know, a lot of the time, MCU supporting casts can be really annoying, but this time, yeah. I thought they were they were they were they were quite well. I mean, they were quite well done. Not I thought perfect, solid. but they were, yeah, I I agree, really really solid. What, assuming you have nothing else to say, what would you uh, give this out of ten? Uh. I really enjoyed this film, man. It was mm-hmm. just so really good. Uh, but the two things that I didn't really like as well, like the last fight scene just dragged on a bit. Um, yeah. I thought the jokes were okay. I, I didn't mind them at all, but you know, okay. that sometimes it would spell some st- uh, like some scenes, like yeah. you know, you're trying to get into. Um, but the overall thing, I just really loved that this. Uh, movie had a really strong story and I mm. really love that because sometimes with solo kind of films like you know like Black Widow that was just horrible yeah right for Black Widow it's like why do we need to tell this story you know what's the you know if it even have any, has any emotional you know resonation or any kind of um, message it's kind of been buried in the way they've made it but this the, the emotional message was clear you know it expanded the MCU while also telling a personal and emotional story, you know, and I think Black Widow was a lot of setup and this didn't feel like it was as much of just setup as other MCU projects do. Yeah. And I thought this just was a very um, interesting film to start off with. So like start of phase four, you know, like sometimes mm. they, they go with that. Yeah, this but, is more of a start to phase four than Black Widow was. Black Widow should have been years ago. If this was the start of phase four, I'd be starting phase four going, right, let's go. Brilliant. Yeah. I'm ready. That, that yeah. this is this is the proper way, you know, starting the whole thing. 100 percent And um and I really loved the music. Um and what else? The the CGI was was good. But sometimes some uh, some fight sequences will be a bit um, too overwhelming. But you know, um, it, it was great to see the camera work, and especially the beginning of the film. That fight that just mm. clicked me in. And I go, tell you wow. what, I I would really like to see that full story that they tell at the beginning of the film, like you know, characterized in some way or another. It's very similar to in Black Widow. I think the more interesting story is about you know, this uh, family of of Russian spies infiltrating America, you know, the the opening, the flashbacks of the film and Black Widow's training. I think that's more interesting than the story we got. Similar, I I think the story that we got for Shang-Chi was good, but I would really like to see the story about, you know, Wen Wu being this tyrant who then, you know, gives up the rings, suffers a loss and then trains his children to be... um, killers i think that that that's a very interesting story yeah um but this one was just a strong film mm-hmm. you know to watch mm. in marvel because 
Oh my god, the stuff that we just got from Marvel, uh, Black Widow, WandaVision, mm. Falcon and well, Soldier. That I one mean, didn't drop. Now yeah, that we've got, so this is our fifth, fifth, fifth phase, fifth, 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 fifth phase four entry. I can safely say phase four is good now. Yes. Before it was like, I like Falcon with Soldier. I like Loki. I don't like Black Widow. I don't like Wanton Division. But now that I like Shang-Chi, I can, I can, I can confidently say that phase four is a, you know, is more good than it is bad. And I'm happy about that. So far. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if um, what if counts because that would actually change things. Um, I, I well, I think what if is probably a spin-off to something, but yeah, you know, probably it's doesn't really like, count. Yeah, probably, but you know, it, I, it might. I don't know. We'll just talk about what if in the future if it's gonna, you, you know, gonna be. Well, we can talk really... about it in the viewing. Um, so I think yeah, Shang-Chi, Oh yeah, I I yeah. will say seven out of ten. It's 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 good and it's solid and this is exactly when I say the standard Marvel, this is what I want it to be. You know, obviously I want every Marvel film to be a ten out of ten perfect, nothing wrong with absolutely what I want in a comic book film. But I I recognize it's not. This is what I would. This is I put this alongside, you know, things like you know just for for example, I put this alongside like Doctor Strange, First Avenger, Black Panther, Ragnarok, Thor. You know. Like, it's not quite, like, the boring kind of, like, you know, Captain Marvel, Ant-Man, you know, Incredible Hulk, um, even though there's some, tough, you know, good stuff in them. But it's it's solid, and this is, you know, what I would want your standard Marvel fair to be. It's got a lot of good, you know, a little bit of weak stuff, but, like, you know... And, and yeah, I wouldn't say it's as good as, like, Winter Soldier or, or Iron Man or Guardians of the Galaxy or, you know, even, like, Homecoming or Iron Man 3, but, like, I think it's really solid. And I'm really happy people are liking it as well. You know, I'm seeing a lot of love for this online. And, you know, I'm not quite as enamored with it as some people are. But, hey, I'm happy people are enjoying it. <laughs> um, I would give it an eight because I nice. was just uh, mesmerized by the, you know. Yeah, because yesterday I was talking about the, 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 screen, the screen thing. And that yeah. really changed the, the whole next. experience for me because um, it was a big screen. And uh, it it didn't it was like full screens because sometimes with films they would do like a double uh, different ratio you know what I mean like mm-hmm. uh, smaller you know wide I don't know how to say it but well um, I think I think most I think most screens aren't sixteen by nine but like a lot of films are shot in sixteen by nine so like you get like the black bars on the top which is I always think that's funny because then people will be like oh four by three sucks and it's like well you just got bars in the side end of along the top like what's your problem you know like if you watch an imax film you just it's all four by three like shut up <laughs> all right i digress um, <laughs> yeah so eight out of ten uh i i thoroughly enjoyed this film but Brilliant. um yeah me too yeah me too shall we now move on uh to talking about no way home oh Right, yes, we haven't talked about No Way Home. We talked about yeah. No Way Home. We got a trailer. We finally did. It's ironic because we, we, rec- <laughs> we recorded the Tenet video early and I, we probably said in the Tenet video that we, um, you know, the, the, no, the No Way Home trailer doesn't come out, but it's out. It's out now. We can finally talk about No Way Home in all of its glory. What do you think of the trailer? Um, 
it is crazy, but mm-hmm. um, I might sound crazy for this, but I I wasn't too surprised because you know with everything that I predicted, but you know it 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 was a bit crazy. But I am intrigued to watch this film. Um, so I am definitely going to see this film Mm. and uh, with everything that's happening on there and this is going to be I told my uh, my dad can you watch this uh, can you watch the trailer for this and he's like no I don't want to get spoiled I'm like okay sure sure but um, uh, but this this was you know it was interesting like especially at the end of the trailer you know when uh, Dark Dark hello Peter hello Peter so, um, yeah, but the weirdest thing about the trailer is that Dr. Strange decides to go, hey, yeah, I'll, I'll help you. Wait, what's that? What, what's that that I hear? Is it Mephisto? <laughs> Mephisto. Yeah, um, honestly, like, I can't, I can't believe we're doing the whole Mephisto thing again. I hope it's uh, not Mephisto. This film already has so much in Mephisto. it. You've already got stuff from the Raimi films, from the Web films, like, you know, even from presumably from the previous MCU films. Doctor Strange is there. Wong is there. Even Daredevil might be there. Like, let's just not do Mephisto as well, you know? Um, but yeah, all in all, the thing that excites me the most out of this trailer, it isn't Doc Ark. It isn't Doctor Strange. It isn't Green Goblin or any of that stuff. It's not Daredevil, if Daredevil isn't in it. Daredevil isn't in it, by the way. It was The trailer was shown um, on IMAX. And obviously, extra. You, you've got the extra um, uh, screen. So you could see, you know, the, the guy who everyone says might be Daredevil, who slams the stuff down? Yeah. It's not him because uh, the IMAX screening showed his face and it's not him. <laughs> <laughs> so if Daredevil's in it, he's not in it, he's not in the trailer. Um, but but yeah, um the thing that, that interests me the most is the fact that Peter is about to really find, you know, experience consequences for everything, for telling other people that he's Spider-Man, for letting other people in. These people are now in danger, you know, his life isn't turned upside down. And even when Doctor Strange changes things, he is going to have to, like, he might have to go back to just having a secret identity, which is exactly what I think he should have. And that's where most of the stakes come in Spider-Man stories and some of the stuff that the MCU Spider-Man doesn't have quite as much of. So, yeah, that's what excites me the most. Um, and, yeah, with everything that's going to happen, um, <laughs> with a lot of... Um, people you know that are rumored for the term they're just trying to keep it yeah. quiet mm. and it, and it's funny when uh jonathan made uh um can the conqueror he was like mm. no i'm not going to be can the conqueror but then he was so. yeah right it, exactly like i think at this yeah, point they know well okay here's the thing there have been leaks uh rumors whispers uh of what's oh. going to be in the second trailer so apparently the second trailer is going to show the full Sinister Six, both Maguire and Garfield, and Daredevil. Oh. So, like, oh. they're not... If this is true, apparently they're not even going to bother, you know, keeping anything a secret, which is kind of a shame. I would have liked to see it for the first time in the cinema, you know? And yes, I will watch the trailer, but I'm kind of a bit like, huh, I, I would have liked oh. it if, you know, the first time I saw these things was on the big screen you know what i mean yeah 
and oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, that's going to spoil everything, really. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. um, uh, I don't know if you know this, but you know, in nineteen in the nineteen nineties, yes, you know that people went to see some films just to watch the Star Wars trailer at the cinema. No way! What? Yeah, so like, obviously, like you know. <laughs> You can, you can just watch it on YouTube. So they, they would buy tickets to random films just to watch the Star Wars trailer, right? I thought it'd be, I thought it'd be on, I thought it'd be on TV. I don't know, like, some, no, I don't know. Some, no, like they would go to the cinema to watch it. That's what I'm going to do. If the second Spider-Man trailer releases, I'm going to go to Cineworld and say, hello, is there, is there a screening where you're showing the Spider-Man trailer? And then I'll go and see like Paw Patrol or something just to watch the trailer. I promise I'll do it. Uh, and it's going to be a bit hard, you know, trying to wait. And then if it's not there, you're just going to watch a terrible film or like a really good film. Just to <laughs> yeah. get it. Like an accident. Like you're just going to, it's like um, watching roulette. You're just going to go blind and then, okay, I'll go to that film. And you don't, you don't know what oh, it is. I'll tell you what, I'll talk about it in viewing, but this week I, I watched a film at the cinema that, oh no, I really didn't. So, right. Okay. I'll talk about it later, but. It was not what I expected at all. So, oh, yeah, okay. I, I understand the feeling, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I also think that okay, obviously okay, the yeah. No Way Home trailer is now the, the most viewed trailer ever. I really don't think they need to do another one, you know? Like, do you really yeah. need now to show more of the film? I think a lot of people are already sold on this, you know? People will already watch it. They were already going to watch it, but now they will watch it, you know? So you've done a trailer. Let's leave it at that. Just start showing it at cinemas. I don't think we need any more, in all honesty. Um, just because I, I think we should leave... They should leave as much po- as possible to the viewing experience, you know? Yeah. Um, and everything that's happening in the trailer... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen but I'm a bit worried about that it's going to ruin some character arcs especially with that arc I'm so so worried about that well Um, I think what's important to know is that no matter what happens you can no one can ever ruin Spider-Man 2 or any of the other Spider-Man films you know if you'd like a Spider-Man films you know none of the other Spider-Man films can take that away from you and that's what I'm excited about when the film comes out I'm going to watch all seven Spider-Man films, and I'm excited for that alone, just to re-experience some of the best comic book films ever, and some of the worst comic book films ever. Um, no, but like, I love Spider-Man. I can't yeah. not be excited for No Way Home. Uh, I've been skeptical all this time, I, and I'm I, still skeptical. I, I am intrigued. I am intrigued to see what's going to happen. Definitely, now. I'm so. intrigued, excited, but also skeptical and nervous. Yes, that's how I'm feeling right now. Definitely. Uh, um. Yeah, what else? Um, I, uh, I, I, I think. Well, I was looking to Spider-Man Live Story this week, mm. and like how A comic that I still have yet to read. That this comic is just amazing. I'm sorry, mm. Tom, but I just gotta say, it. like Spider-Man <laughs> Live Story. If Marvel does this film, I would give them. <laughs> I'll pay good money to see this film. Just it's uh, safe no. to assume that Marvel will never make Spider-Man Live Story. Uh, <laughs> Sony might, probably not, Sony. but you know, it's probably never gonna happen. But you know, a uh, man can dream. If, so- if someone does a Spider Man Life Story film, I- I'll pay good money to see it because it is amazing. It is amazing. Oh, yes. And I hope they don't ruin some stuff from the, uh, from the comic to the well, film. I, I guess anyway, that is the risk. Yes, yes, yeah. 
Um, right. Yeah. Shall we, we move on, on to viewing then? Yes. Okay. So I'll let you start. Uh, what have you uh, watched this week? Oh, I I got I've gone back into watching films now. Ah, like it's great. Uh, cinema. It's good. Yes, cinema. So uh, the first proper film I watched this week was uh, a film called Bottle Rocket. Oh yes. This is the first, for those who don't know, first Wes Anderson film. Uh, yeah. We're going to be talking about all the Wes Anderson films soon. Yeah. And uh, I also watched another director's first debut film. Uh, direct, di- 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 ah, first film, sorry. <laughs> um, so, Bottle Rocket. This one was directed by Wes Anderson, as Tom said. Oh, and yes. My man, yes. my guy. This, this one was... A really good, a really good film. Um, you know, with the with the actors as well. Like it's just so magical to see those characters have uh, the actors have those chemistry. You know, on on screen. Mm. Uh, like Owen uh, Wilson. Oh, I gotta get the cast up because it's just it just works so well with with, with the chemistry throughout the film. Um, and as you told me that um, Tom that. There was like a whole essay on Martin Scorsese t- yeah. saying how good this film is. Yeah, definitely. And this is this is actually this film was actually a flop. Um, what didn't do well at all? No, no, no one saw it really. And the reason that saved the film and my uh, and Wes Anderson's career basically uh, allowed him to make more was Martin Scorsese put this in his top films of the year. I'm pretty sure it's nineteen. Oh, time Oh yeah, Time Magazine. Okay. Yeah. So um yeah, and, and if you get the Criterion collection Blu-ray, which I have, um, you get like a little like essay that he writes about it in uh, on in the booklet inside. Oh wow. Um but the actors in this like uh Luke wait, they're brothers? Oh Luke yeah. Wilson and Owen Wilson? Oh yes. I don't Every, know. Everyone always forgets about Luke Wilson, but I I actually think he's my I mean Aaron Wilson's great, but I I might I might be a Luke Wilson fan. Yeah, Luke Wilson. Wow, mm-hmm. he he did great in this one as well, like playing as uh, Anthony, and then yeah. Aaron Wilson is just like as digging. Yeah, and and if you see those two, oh, and then you got Robert Musgrave. Bob, Robert, Robert, Bob, my guy, my main man, Bob. <laughs> and it's just hilarious throughout the film that mm. he's just driving around. And then one bit of the film, um, it's not a spoiler, but one bit of the film, like they were talking in the car and then Anthony was like uh, talking to um, uh, Robert about some stuff. And then Robert decides to look at uh, Anthony and then Anthony's like, no, look at the world. Why, why are you looking at me? Just look at the world. And, you know, sometimes it's just hilarious. And there's a lot of funny stuff that I, um, yeah, ge- genuinely, film. Wes Anderson is one of the funniest filmmakers. His films have such a wit and charm to them. You know, most people will have seen stuff like, you know, um, Fantastic Mr. Fox and Grand Budapest Hotel. But like, you know, the more you watch of Wes Anderson's work, the more you will, you know, come to come to appreciate what he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought the film was just perfectly perfectly paced with mm. everything that's happening and it's just hilarious especially at the end like um this whole sequence and it was just so funny 
it's just such a funny film to watch. Um, uh, um, what else? I'm trying to think. Um, well, it's, it's worth yeah. noting that. So we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about all ten, I think ten of Wes Anderson's films. Yes. Uh, oh no, nine. I think it's nine. Um, uh, all nine of Wes Anderson's current films uh, in, in in October. So if if you guys at home, just before French Dispatch comes out, obviously. So if you, if any of you guys at home want to uh, watch the Wes Anderson films in preparation, you can find them on Disney Plus and uh, well, a lot of them on Disney Plus and and stuff. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be talking about all of them and ranking our favorites, similar to how we did with Christopher Nolan's films way back last year. Yeah, and. I want to talk about more about the film, but it's just been a while since I watched it. But mm. there was a lot of character arcs I really loved in, in this film, like exploring about them, and it it was so cool to you know explore the world, uh, uh, uh the world of the film, and like what mishaps can they go, what that, what things that can could go wrong. I can't speak today, <laughs> and like things that could go wrong, and about how, um the way that the movie changes it sometimes you know like the characters like it's funny and then it sometimes gets sad and then it's, it gets wholesome at at some part of the film just like you just really support these characters and then like it's just hilarious like the the whole synopsis is that um that uh anthony and diggin and robert they they go and they, they think they have this massive plan but then uh, that they're trying to rob something. They have a 75-year plan. <laughs> the 75-year plan. <laughs> and then uh, the first plan was just to rob a bookstore. Uh, this this is just hilarious. Like, it when really I first is. read the blurb, I was just like, oh, my God, this film's going to be great. Yeah, um, it, is, it is absolutely insane and, and wonderful. And just, you know, if... if especially for like you know fans of any director it's always so like mad when you look at their like first film that they made and you know you always see things that they do in their other films and obviously like for example Wes Anderson Owen Wilson is in loads of his films you know so like you already see like little connections and little ways that like his filmography you know starts in certain places and it's just so fun it's so much fun so rewarding yeah and like there's not a lot of uh, directors. Well, there are, but not like, you know, what Wes Anderson does because, yeah. like, I've seen their film, The Grand Budapest Hotel, and the cinematography and then the directing on that is just completely different. Mm. Like, how it just works all together. Oh, you, and... just, you just wait, my friend. You've got you've got some absolute bangers uh, in Wes Anderson's filmography that you're going to watch. Oh, I can promise you that. I'm so excited to watch them all. Um and it, it's just a joy to watch them. Definitely. I think that's Wes Anderson just really understands uh, cinema in a different form, you know. He does. Like, Wes Anderson is cinema. Oh, uh, yeah. And there's uh, and then a Dennis Film View. I'm going to talk about another Dennis Film mm. View. Like two, I'll, I'll, I might talk about two, but I don't know. But I will talk about the first one that he did. Okay. Uh, so, Bottle um, Rocket. Yeah. Bottle so, what would, what, would you give Bottle Rocket out of 10? I want to give it a nine or a ten because Brilliant. it's just so funny. Mm. It is hilarious and like the acting and it's just like the dialogue as well. The dialogue was just really funny as well. Um, I, it the one th- one word for this film hilarious. There you go, boom. There, 
Amazing. Yeah. Right, Tom, what have you watched? Well, as I said before, um, went to cinema this week after Shang-Chi, the double bill, you know how it is. Um, and I watched Annette, right? Oh, Annette, so... I want to watch this film. <laughs> So going into this film, I would literally nothing about it. I knew that it was like acclaimed at Cannes and I knew that like, you know, Empire gave it five stars and stuff. And I knew it starred Adam Driver, Marion Cotillard, um, you know, and it's a musical. What can go wrong? So I watched oh, it. Wait, it's a musical. <laughs> it's a musical. Oh. oh, yes. Oh, no. I didn't wait. know. It. So, yeah, it's important to know. I knew nothing. This film was intense. <laughs> Like one of those intense viewing experiences I've ever watched. It's oh, a long God. film, goes on for a very long time, and um, is basically about these two people. One is an opera singer, one is a comedian, and they fall in love. And it's just about their life together. And they have a baby girl called Annette. Um, and and you know it's kind of about their relationship with each other and with her. And the music is actually done by Sparks, who, you know, very famous um, oh, musician. Sparks. Yeah, Edgar Wright just did a documentary about them. Um, and the film starts with an amazing song, like a really, really proper, like, musical banger called um, So So Shall We Start, I think is the word. No, so, so May We Start, should I say. And, and, and I was sitting there like, this is going to be great. This is going to be like La La Land. This is going to be like, you know, proper top tier musical. And it was not what I expected at all. The film is like a psychological, mind-bending, you know, film that is proper like art house cinema. You know, the baby, I'm not going to give away too much, but the baby, the baby, the baby. The baby. It, it, it just blew my mind in so many ways. And it wasn't a fun film to watch. No way. It made me so sad and so anxious and on edge and all these different emotions but it was amazing it was absolutely brilliant and it was captivating it's the kind of film I, that I, I never have any desire to watch again but I am gonna think about it forever because you know it did it, it doesn't have intervals in between the music it's all music all for two and a half hours you know and, and it, it, it feels like a stage play you know in the way that it's framed in the way that you know the music is and I think it will be better on stage, in all honesty. You know, it, you know, there was a point in the film when I would have very, very much um, appreciated an interval. If, 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 if halfway through they were like, okay, go get some snacks and, how, and you know, go to the toilet, I would have been like, thank you. But like, yeah, the film is very intense and, you know, deals with like exploitation and toxicity and, you know, it strangely delves into like you know the culture of 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 comedy and, and 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 it's just it's just crazy and the kind of film that i really just can't wrap my head around as much as i try so oh wow it's just a cautionary uh, tale when you go to the cinema know what you're watching like you understand what you're watching okay because this is like i was so unprepared i thought it was going to be an hour and a half it was two and a half hours I was so tired by the end of it. I had to walk home. It was painful, right? Um, but yeah, it, but it still was amazing. I think my only critique was it was just it was just long. It just was long, you know. Sometimes a critique of a film isn't anything profound, anything that you would want to improve. It's just I wasn't ready to watch something so long. I just watched Shang-Chi. I hadn't even had lunch yet, you know. 
it was just, yeah it, it was wow. it was it was tough it, it definitely was tough and um, but nonetheless i'd give it an i'd give it an eight out of ten and you know fans of musicals you probably want to skip this one because it's not like you know la la land or the greatest showman or any like movie musicals i've ever i've ever seen it's a prof- proper like avant-garde you know art house psychological you know oh, pretty intense film so yeah it's great but watch it your own peril so yeah if you plan to watch it john definitely uh good luck buddy uh i mean sometimes with dark or intense stories i oh i would be different by you know be traumatized or something you know with exactly. what's happening yeah um but i might or might not uh right so yeah so what else have you watched um i have watched dennis film used first ever film that he has done and nice. this film is called Polytechnique. And this was founded by the BFI. Ah. Um, and it also had a booklet about the film uh, inside the inside the Blu-ray. And uh and this film was uh also uh, used for film studies in the BFI and everyone was using this film to you know um and, and analyze everything about it. So Polytechnique. So Polytechnique is about um a school shooting that uh, happened in 1989 in an engineering school in Montreal, Can- Canada. Wait, so is it a true story? This is a this is based on a true story. It, oh, nice. it, it was inspired by a true story. Cool. And uh, and it's about a guy, well, the, the school shooter, who is has a hatred uh, for feminism and women as well. He thinks really low about women and you just it's just haunting you know how he thinks about that and uh in this uh this based on a true story oh, uh based on true story and the school shooter killed 19 women on that day oh and yeah and he uh and he killed himself in the in in the school shooting so this was a haunting film it was just dark and uh, and it was intense super intense with everything that was happening and the sound design was just loud every time there would be like a massive thing that just happened and then uh it takes on perspectives on the people that happened but these characters are fictitious so you, you don't know uh, you do you do know, you do know the names but um these like the uh, perspectives and then you can see this perspective on the school shooter and then you see this uh, the perspective of the people that were affected or got shot uh, by it and with the editing and the sound it it just worked really well and i just couldn't believe this was just dennis villeneuve's first film because it's unbelievable to watch with everything that just happened and it was i don't want to say like oh the, the film's great because of the cinematography uh, like with everything that just happened but it's a dark film it's just everything that just happens in this and it it will keep you keep you think about it and the ending of the film just works everything for it and with uh but the characters also fictitious but it also just gives us reminders about the the world that we're living in and uh with the acting and with that happens in the film, it's just too realistic. And it's just like, Oh my God, it just throws you off. And 
in a in a good way like it the start of it is just like just just shocks you like you've just been shaken by it and it's just like oh my god this is the film that you're going into and with uh with, there was a, there was like time conventions in the film that i really liked like it just worked up that all the way to the to the point of the film and uh what was i gonna say um i'm i'm glad that it was like fictitious because it was like more about the central characters and like on the journey where they're up to and uh and there was like a whole message about it and um and it was interesting that how Dennis Villeneuve um used the title Polytechnique uh in this because it was like an engineering school and i think the uh, the definition of polytechnique um yeah so the the definition of polytechnique is oh yeah so it's like an institution for higher education offerings courses at a degree level below like in vocational uh, subjects so like this is an engineering school and it was more focused on their life about what they're going to do and in that time in 1989 it was different because there's like otherwise feminism and like how women are going to be independent and you know how men are just going to change their views on them and this just worked up like how not worked up but like you know with the school shooting about like how it affects um everyone and then how it's going to do that and the and the the mind blowing about this uh, this bit is that Dennis Villeneuve filmed the uh, film the entire film in French but also he did it in English oh wow and he, he was so hardcore about that he just decided to do that in two versions damn and the versions are the same, but it, it was just a dialogue that was like, you know, a bit different with the English and French. Oh, that, that definitely sounds really intense. So yeah. what would you, uh, what would you give it out of 10? Uh, it, it, it's a very intense film, but I am going to give it a 10 out of 10 because, Brilliant. you know, it was his first film. And yeah, it, as, as we it, said with um, Butter Rocket, seeing a director's first film is like, such a weird thing if you've seen like you know their other stuff it's like going through the photo album for yourself yeah yeah okay tom uh, what have you watched uh, i i watched an intense film and you watched an intense film uh, what have you watched <laughs> well this isn't so intense but i finished Mon- monsters at work right oh yeah yeah so i don't know did you did you watch any more of it no right I- okay so obviously we talked about uh, we talked about episodes one two and three or what you know a couple of weeks ago um yeah, it didn't get much better <laughs> it didn't oh no i i mean it didn't know what uh, i expected really right, but it was yeah, um, and that's it. Uh, it it just kind of you know it was the same and it's a shame because there was a lot of potential and it's I don't know if they're making a season two, but the best episode was the finale because what the finale did, you know, n- number one, it ended like at the same time as Monsters Inc. So, you know, Monsters Inc. ends with like the the laughter celebration where um, yes. like yeah. Mike's on the magazine and stuff. Well, that's basically how Monsters at Work ends. You know, obviously it's not exactly the same because, you know, it's not really about Mike and Sully. So. 
they focus it on on the angle of the new characters um but and what that episode does is, is it you know it focuses a lot on the you know the the struggle they've built up in 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 the in the main protagonist where he's you know thinking do i want to be a mifter or a jokester and they do it really well in in in, an, in a nice way but the unfortunate thing is is that apart from a couple of characters, most of the characters are so shallow and all they have to them is their one personality trait that is repeated over and over. And it's just such, and that's where I think things become such a shame because the, the show rarely explores any of these other characters any deeper. And when it does, it's, it's one episode long, you know, one episode, a character will be explored. And then the next episode, they're back to how they were before. And I think that is what really holds this show back from being as good as Monsters, Inc. or even Monsters University. And unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to watch um, season two, if there is one. But, you know, it was fun. You know, I, I can tune in 25 minutes every week. I think, I, I, you know, I don't have much to say about it, but I'll give it I'll give it a five out of ten. It wasn't great, but you know what? I'm sure kids will like it. It's not for me, I guess, at the end of the day. So, yeah. Oh, wow. um, actually, uh, there's something that I, I want us both to talk about here. Um, and I don't know if you've watched any more, but have you watched any more What If? Yes, I have. Right. So last time we talked about episodes one and two. So I'm interested what you thought about episodes three and four. Um, so episode three was okay because, you know, we've just been through like... Um, like what if you know <laughs> what if uh, um, you know, they go through like the killings of mm. the Avengers uh, members? Yeah, what, I, I believe that, I believe the episode is called "What If Earth Lost Its Mightiest Heroes." Yes, that's it. Yeah. And and, it's, it's all uh, set on um, Fury's big big week in which Iron Man two, Incredible Hulk, and Thor basically all take place. Yeah. And this one, uh, I thought it was a really good, uh, really good concept because mm. you know, like Furious Beat Week, you know, uh, the members are just getting killed off, uh, yeah. and uh, but the one thing that really just kind of throws me off, off a bit was just the voice that inconsistent voice acting a bit. Yeah, but, uh, I understand that it is a bit you know weird when you got the actors from the films who are sometimes doing a good job, sometimes not, and then you've got the actors of. You know, who are actually like talented voice actors who kind of know. I think the thing is, is that I really enjoyed the first half of this episode where, you know, you're killing off all the different Avengers and, you know, yeah. we're replaying events. But then I feel like towards the end, they kind of struggled bringing it all together. Yeah. Um, and that was a shame. But as, as we said, you know, a couple of weeks ago, episode one wasn't very good. Episode two was slightly better. Episode three, I think, is the best out of the three. But episode four, I think, was the first, like, solid episode like, re- like yeah i would actually say episode four is like a good episode oh this episode oh, episode four was just a lot of people heartbreak. definitely have been saying about how episode four is you know the best of the show and i agree i wouldn't call it the best of the mcu some people are saying it's some of the best mcu content concept um content uh, but yeah i really i really liked you know seeing that you know i really i really enjoyed you know the idea that Doctor Strange, I think, obviously, the best sequences are where he goes back again and again to try and save, you know, Christine. And, you know, each time you see him getting more and more desperate and trying things to try and save her. But, you know, it it, it, it never seems to work, you know. 
And then you've got the scene at the, the sequence at the end where, you know, the evil Doctor Strange fights the good Doctor Strange. And, you know, the evil Doctor Strange is such a broken person. I loved all that. But I think in the middle, it kind of like struggled to kind of connect itself with each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but oh, this one was just heartbreaking to watch because, you know, it really just connected us on another, on another scale. And especially like the stuff I've been reading about, like uh, about like love this week, um, especially a film that I've been... Well, I mean, to... all you need is love, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, it it was, like, more about, you know, Doctor Strange, about going back in time and trying to save uh, his girlfriend or wife. I, the girlfriend, I think. Just love interest, uh, I guess. Love interest, yeah, love interest. And about how, like, he really loves her and like how committed uh, he is. Uh, but then he goes into a downward spiral, you know, trying to save her again and again and again, but he fails. And uh, and then I did not the, expect the um, the episode to be like this. Like the, at the end, I thought it's going to be happy, but no, it just went dark. To yeah, I think I think favor. it shows the the versatility of the show. My, my, you know, four episodes in, it can tell very different stories. I hope that this week's episode is, is still better, and I hope the show continues to get better because they could really use this concept to their advantage and tell some really interesting stories. But I think aside from episode, you know, some of the concepts, aside from some of that stuff, they haven't really told told anything that that was overly, you know unique in my opinion yeah and you know it was just like one of those rare marvel stories that you can Mm. read in in graphic novels and it just takes on an emotional approach definitely and it it goes uh really sad and then you know understands like the fundamental of the characters like what they're aimed and then you know what if that happens and then it just works really well it's just experiments on, on on a on a different scale so yeah yeah definitely um, so do you have anything else you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, I've got one confusing film to talk about. Okay. And it's more confusing than Tenet. It's more confusing than Inception. I don't believe you. I, okay, so this film is called Enemy, which is another film directed by Dennis Villeneuve. Wow. And it's got Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, yeah. This, have you seen it? No. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So I don't know how to review this film. I I have no idea because maybe in a quick and concise way because we are running out of time on this Zoom call. Okay. Uh, the film's confusing. Uh, there's a lot of uh, characters that uh, really uh, they push the story, but then it didn't push the story. Uh, and then uh, uh, I was like, oh, this is great. It's, it's good. It's good so far. But then sometimes it just gets too confusing, and then the ending just changes the whole story. It is so confusing. I'll give it uh, nothing else. I, I nothing else does. No, I I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't know. It's so confusing. I can't even talk about it. Eh, okay, yeah, that's it. Okay, I, I'll. You know what? I'm gonna watch this one. Uh, so I can so I can talk to you about it because it you know so so, so you can so help you. I'll, I'll see if I watch it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, time time time. Okay, right. I I ho- hopefully I can talk about a couple things. Um, quickly. Uh, so last night I watched Casino Royale, uh, getting ready for No Time to Die, 
it's great. Oh. One of the best James Bond films, like just in general, it, it, it's so good. Um, you know, it, it, it really, you know, has like a cockier and younger Bond. I think that really works. The action scenes are great. The music's awesome. Really like the villain and, you know, the way that the, the plot escalates. But I don't really buy the relationship between Bond and Vespa, who's the Bond girl. I kind of think that is a bit Vespa. of an outdated trope <laughs> at this point. But there we go. Okay. Another thing I want to talk about, not uh, really anything to say, I- but I watched the new Cinderella and it sucks. Okay. Um, uh, I started watching uh, your name. I'm halfway through the film. Oh, it's amazing. Um, I, it's I incredible. Can't wait to watch more. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. Oh, I also started watching Daredevil because No Way Home. Daredevil's great. It's amazing. Um, Everyone was right. It's uh, awesome. I, I finished watching Collateral. Great film. Oh, yeah, good, uh, good, good. Seven out of ten. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Shall we roll it out? Yeah. Let's go. Okay. Take us out. Take us out. Take us out. Uh, okay. And um, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening for this uh, podcast. It's been wonderful to talk about Shang-Chi and other films as well, especially No Way Home. And uh, don't forget your mask uh, to go to the cinema, wash your hands. Uh, and uh, just make sure that, you know, when you go meet friends, make sure that you're social distancing and uh, make sure that you take a test. Uh, yeah. Anything else, Tom? Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you can at asktimefilmpod at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at our same film pod on both of those or follow me on twitter at tom the bodman and next week we're going to talk about rick and morty season five going oh boy egg. can't wait okay uh, Wubba, lubba, dub, uh, dub. <laughs> okay uh, uh, Wubba, lubba, dub. okay oh uh, did you see that the, the, uh, they're also doing live action rick and morty and it makes me feel oh, God, yeah. it's weird yeah, i don't know why yeah we gotta talk about that but anyway uh, yeah okay uh take what you're giving give nothing back yes goodbye goodbye